Good morning, Westridge. It's good to be here with you in person and online as we continue our road trip series. We're looking at, we're looking at the key signs that mark the way and help measure our following of Jesus. Now, we understand signs. We see them all the time on the road. Different kinds. We have directional signs. We have signs that give uh, information to us. We have signs that tell us how fast or how slow to drive, which I ignore sometimes. Uh, we have signs that stand tall in the landscape and others that you have to look very closely for because they're so small. A couple of weeks ago, a sign made worldwide headlines. Now, here's what it looked like. Okay, remember that one? Ale, opi, omi. Now, what that means is go granddad and grandma. This sign was held by a 30-year-old woman at the beginning of the first race of the Tour de France. She stepped out on the racetrack to make sure that her sign was visible to the people at home, inadvertently getting in the way of one of the racers, causing a massive pileup of bikers as the race began. Now, she quickly exited the scene and then turned herself over to authorities a couple of, a couple of days later. Now, the question that I saw this that immediately came to my mind was, what was she thinking? And the second one was very closely followed, who was she thinking about? Well, she wanted to show up on camera, which she did, and it didn't work out too well for her. And the crash that ensued, well, it, it caused a lot of different uh, injuries. Now, the problem is, I understand her actions way too well, because I know what selfishness is. I live it all the time. Maybe you can identify with me. There are opportunities that come up to practice this trait over and over again, and sometimes at the most inconvenient times. Let me tell you what something happened to me. I was traveling to the airport a few years ago on my way to a church planting seminar in Seattle. I was running a little late, but I figured I could make my time up on the road, which I talk about ignoring signs at times, right? And that was when I encountered something new in our subdivision. As I pulled out of our driveway, I saw a little boy playing out in the street. He was chasing styrofoam peanuts, which had blown out of somebody's trash. It was a little windy day. And I looked at him, and I realized this was not right because he was too small to be out there on his own in the middle of the road. I saw his situation, but immediately selfishness came over. And I said to myself, surely someone knows he's out here, and surely someone will take care of him. I've got to get to the airport. I brought a, a shofar with me today. It's a ram's horn. This is what they use to uh, signal into battle and so forth in, in Bible times. It, it sounds something like this. It was used to call people's attention, to call them into battle, to get them moving. And here's something I realized, guys. The call of Jesus continues to go out into the world. The call is very simple. It's two words. Jesus says, follow me. Now, some hear the call and respond. Others hear the call, well, and it just passes right by them. They ignore it. But if we say yes to Jesus, we're going to encounter obstacles to following. And you guys know that. If you've been on the road for a while, you understand that. But one of the greatest obstacles it's something I think we all deal with at times. It's self. And winning the battle for selflessness is the key to navigating the journey ahead. So we're going to examine this today through three encounters Jesus had with people in Luke 9. And Jesus modeled 
what it meant to be selfless. Many of the things we count precious, fame, fortune, houses, things, uh, and stuff, Jesus just didn't chase. He had more important things to focus on. He had a purpose in mind. And he wanted his followers to understand the same dynamic he lived. Now, right before the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus' followers had seen their lack of power when they couldn't drive out a demon. They had argued amongst themselves about who was the greatest, the most important follower of Jesus as they traveled on the road. And then it allowed anger to take over when Jesus had been disrespected by a Samaritan village. In fact, James and John asked Jesus, hey, can we call up fire and burn this town to the ground? Jesus said, no. Now, I'm sure he was shaking his head at his inner circle. These were his guys. And each of these encounters, though, highlighted selfishness. I mean, what will others think about me when I can't do something? Uh, I'm Jesus' favorite, and everybody should know that, and I'll be be most important. Or, we don't like being treated poorly, and they're going to pay for it. See, selfishness is something we all battle. Now, I, I brought a filter with me today. My wife says I need a filter at times, okay? Okay, but she's right. She's exactly right. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to selfless living, there's something that gets in the way, and that is myself. When I, when I put everything through the filter of myself, when opportunities come up, I will often say, what's in it for me? Or how will this affect me? Maybe you know what I'm talking about here. So often... The filter I put in place stands in the way of selflessness. And so Jesus, in these three encounters he has with people, talks about three different manifestations of how selfishness shows itself. Now, the first, uh, the first encounter in Luke 9 shows us the uh, selfish filter of comfort. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, from sister passages of this passage here, it appears that this guy was a scribe, uh, one of the people who were versed in the the Jewish law. And when he tells Jesus he would follow him, basically, this is where the idea of the shofar comes into play, because when it it talks about following, it means to heed the call and respond to it by accepting it. And now, at this time, Jesus was extremely uh, popular with people. Crowds gathered wherever he went. People followed him. Individuals were seeking audience with him. They all wanted to be around Jesus. And maybe this scribe had become enamored at what he was seeing. He wanted to join a popular movement. He wanted to be close to the excitement. He wanted to be with the in crowd. We don't know what it is. So he declares, though, I will follow you wherever you go. And that's what Jesus responds. Hey, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We all like comfort. I mean, I've turned my air conditioner on the way up here today. I like it, okay? And, and I like comfort for myself and my agenda. And normally my agenda gets my, my attention first. But I realize something that comfort can stand in the way of the call of Jesus, our comfort. And this is something Jesus is trying to get across to this scribe. So there I was in my car. I see this little boy roaming the street in front of our house. It would have been very easy to drive on by. It really would have. I mean, I had a place to go. Figure, I could have figured somebody else was going to take care of it. It would have been easy, but I realized it wouldn't have been right. 
I pulled over, I got out of the car, and walking over the little guy, I was glad I did because he was even younger than I thought he was. Because when I, I, I walked or leaned over to him and said, hey, buddy, what you doing? He just looked up at me and he babbled because he wasn't old enough to talk yet. Now, have you ever noticed how following Jesus doesn't always lead you into the most comfortable places? I mean, I, I know this from walking and praying in some of the neighborhoods of the city as we're looking for places to, to start churches. Um, it can be kind of dangerous up there these days. But I know I'm supposed to do that. A couple weeks ago, we had our first gathering for the Persian church plant we're doing. And I know most of the people present that day were not English speakers. They spoke Farsi. I also know that while I don't speak Farsi, it was important for me to be there. So I, I showed up. And uh, it was very enjoyable. When I would say something, people would just nod and smile. Okay, well, you know how that works, right? And that was okay. That was okay. They even let me talk. I did it through an interpreter, which was fun. Okay? It, was, it was not the most comfortable setting, but it was the right setting. Mother Teresa, who founded the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, ministered for years to sick and dying in the streets of that city. She followed the Spirit to a place that was desperate for hope and showed the light of Jesus to those living in darkness. And once she was asked by, by someone what they should do with their life, and here's what she responded. Find your own Calcutta. Look for the sick, the suffering, and the lonely right where you are. You can find Calcutta all over the world if you have the eyes to see. Because everywhere, we can find people who are unwanted, unloved, uncared for, rejected by society. And she's inter- she reiterated, find your own Calcutta. See, Jesus wanted this man to count the cost of following him. And following would mean stretching. Jesus often hung out with those religious elite uh, counted sinners. It would mean sacrifice. And while there was plenty of opportunity to see the hand of God at work, there were going to be challenging times too. So when it comes to following, Jesus is telling this scribe, look at the example I said. Look at the reality I embrace. It's not about comfort of self. I don't even have a place to call home. But it is about following and being selfless. The second encounter shows the, uh, the importance of God's timing versus our timing. In the second encounter, Jesus was one who initiated the conversation. Here's what he said. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, this issue is about timing. Jesus responds to the man's request with what on the surface seems to be kind of a little, a little harsh comment back. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, we don't know the exact context of this guy's request to Jesus. Maybe his father was getting older and he wanted to wait until he passed away before following. Could have been his follower was sick and his passing was imminent. So if Jesus could just hold that invitation for a few days, he'd be free. We don't know what it was. However, we do know that his timing and Jesus' invitation just didn't match up. So here's what he said. Jesus, will you wait for me? Jesus issued the same invitation to this guy he did to the fishermen. Remember their response? They dropped their nets immediately and followed. He must have seen great potential in this guy. But the guy said, I want you to wait for me. And sometimes... We just can't wait. We just need to respond. So I leaned over to the little boy and I talked to him. I saw there was no, I was going to get no answer from him. So I picked him up and I'm thinking, what do I do now? Well, I walked down the road. Uh, um, I wanted to get him home. I walked down the road where I'd seen some kids playing uh, at another house down the, down the street from me. And, 
I, I rang the bell and a man came to the door. And I said, hey, I found this little guy down the street playing in the street. I said, is he yours? And the guy looked at him, <laughs> like, looked at him real close, like, okay, do you know your kid or not? But he said, he said, uh, he, he said, no, no, he's not, not mine. I said, well, do you have any idea where he could be from? He said, well, I think he's from a couple of houses down this way. Okay. Now, when God puts opportunities in front of us, we need to be willing to step in with the abilities we have. During the Chicago fire, uh, the wooden steeple Wabash Avenue Methodist Church caught fire. Onlookers were prepared to watch the structure burn down when a man stepped out of the crowd and said, I think I can put that fire out. Will someone hold my coat? They gave his coat over. The man, whose name was William Haskell, was a gymnast. He coated himself with water, tied a rope around him, and then tied a rope to a bucket and scaled a 75-foot-tall structure. He beat down the sparks on himself and on the roof as he went along. And he climbed into the steeple, put the fire out inside before climbing back down. His heroic feat was applauded by the crowd. In fact, some entrepreneurs took up a collection for him. And I like this. Then they took the collection without giving it to him. How about that, huh? Okay. But he went quietly home, telling no one what he had done. He was simply the right man in the right place at the right time. Now, for this man, Jesus' invitation wasn't convenient. The timing didn't match with what he felt his current life situation was. Hey, I heard this from a church planner not long ago when during an interview he told our team, your process doesn't work for my situation. Uh, huh, that's revealing. Sometimes the things we're called to do, the steps we're asked to take, they get in the way of hearing the call of the master. Now, if God's timing is better than ours, and it is, maybe we need to pay attention to him rather than paying attention to self and not feel inconvenienced by the call. But I can see, you can see here where we're looking at our situation and our timing can be a blockade to hearing God's call. Now, the third, third encounter talks about something I'm very familiar with, and that is distractions. Another man spoke up in the crowd following Jesus. I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. The, the phrase, first let me, speaks of developing a list of priorities. Okay, and put first things first, second things second, and so forth. We all do that. But have you ever misplaced priorities? I was in the car with my daughter-in-law, my two grandchildren, and my wife. I dropped my daughter-in-law off at Kroger. We were going to, she had to pick up something. And I was just going to drive through the parking lot with kids until she came back out. And so I was looking back, talking to the children. And, and that's when I encountered one of those stop signs that have the concrete base to it. And I ran right into it. Okay? Never saw it coming. You know why? I was looking back instead of looking where I should have been looking. Okay? Luckily, it was my son's car and not mine. <laughs> and it was okay. Okay? Now, I, I have those things, okay? And I do those things. And you know what it's called? It's called misplaced priorities. Jesus responds to this guy with a classic statement. Here's what he says. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a, that is a strong statement there. Now, here are his words, the warning against giving in to distractions in life. This man who wanted to follow Jesus wanted to, make, wanted to clear it with his people back home before he did so. And the problem was, if he went back and told them what he was going to do, the people back home would have talked him out 
of following this itinerant preacher. Distractions can be dangerous. Let's go back to the Tour de France for just a moment. It was, it was Tony Martin from Germany who bumped into the sign the woman was holding that morning. He lost control of his bike. He crashed into the bike beside him. And look at that result. Bodies were everywhere. The lady was distracted by what was going on, by what she wanted to do, and her distraction caused his distraction, which caused a massive pileup. Distractions are dangerous. And I realized this as I watched this little guy chasing styrofoam peanuts across the road. He didn't know to watch the street. He didn't know to be careful of cars. He was out having a good time, not realizing there was danger all around him. And friends, when it comes to following Jesus, there are going to be distractions all the time. And I know this. One of my favorite statements is, squirrel! I'm honest with you, okay? I get distracted all the time. And when it comes to making priorities, we need to consider what's good, what's better, and what is best. See, the man wanted to say goodbye to his family. It was a good thing. But Jesus knew the tendency we have to get sidetracked by the good things in place of the best things. So he gave the man a warning. I I carried the little boy to the, the house down the street and rang the doorbell. The mother approached, and as she saw who I was holding, you could see the panic in her eyes. <gasps> and she came rushing to the door. She threw it open and said, what are you? I said, oh, I found him walking in the street down the road here, and I thought I'd better bring him home. And she grabbed him from my arms. She, she thanked me, and then she turned around and yelled, who left the back door open? Okay. Now, I was glad I was there. And more importantly, I'm glad I didn't give in to the selfishness I normally do. I was able to get that little boy home. Our approach to self is a great measuring tool for being a follower of Jesus. See, we all understand self. And we all understand our tendencies to put self first. Or Jesus calls us the selflessness. So in the week ahead, I'd like to ask you to try a couple things to implement what we talked about today. First of all, I want to encourage you to begin the day with a prayer focus. And it's very simple. Just pray something like this. Jesus, help me to put you first today. Now, before your feet hit the ground, just try to pray this one. Help me to put you first today in my decisions, in my choices, in my challenges, in my interactions with people. Just help me put you first. Secondly, prepare for battle. Selflessness requires a warrior's mindset because it goes against our natural tendencies. Our natural tendencies, okay? So I want to ask you to make a conscious effort to get God's Word in this week. Five minutes of reading, five minutes of thinking about what you read, and then five minutes of talking to God just to say, how can I put this into practice today? Selflessness is a mark of the follower. We can't do it on our own, guys. We need help, and God's here to help us. Last but not least, what area is most challenging for you when it comes to selfishness? Does comfort get in the way of stretching? Uh, Does uh, our timing for opportunities get in the way of seeing opportunities coming? Or or maybe, maybe it's those distractions of convenience and culture, making it easy to ignore the call of God. Whichever is most challenging for you, okay? So I'm going to ask you to do the hard thing this week. Whatever is most challenging, win one battle this week in that area. Well, just one, just one. I'm a firm believer we win one battle, it sets us up to win another one. 
And if you want to share with me next week, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. I'd love to hear the story. See, selflessness is never easy. But when we choose to practice it, it's a great marker for progress on our journey of following Jesus. And we are talking road trip, right? We're talking road trip. And one of the signs is selflessness. So let's enjoy the journey next week.